Praise God. So listen, Rick, I'm going to pray real quick and we're going to get into the word of God. I already prayed. I hope you've already prayed, but I'm going to pray because I know people are like, he didn't pray. Yeah, I prayed before I got here, but I'm going to pray for you uh, so you can uh, see me pray. And then we're going to get into the word of God. Amen. All right. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for tonight. We thank you for the opportunity to come and to share your word. We thank you that right now, Holy Spirit, you are tilling up the ground in the hearts and the minds of those who are going to be here to hear the word tonight. Father, we thank you in a miraculous way for all that you're going to do because of our dedication to give you this time tonight. We declare a mighty harvest come back to our lives because of the time we put in the word. Father, I thank you that as I'm teaching tonight, you let none of me come across in only everything of you. I ask that you allow every person who is here to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit so that even as I'm ministering, he can give them complete direction for their lives so that they can walk out the things of God. Father, I thank you that as we pray, we believe that these things come to pass in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. So let's get into what I want to talk about tonight. I want to talk about the wonders of faith, the wonders of of faith. And one of the things that you're going to hear me talk about uh, tonight, if you've been with us for any length of time, uh, some of this may be repetitive, but for some of you, this may be new. But here's one of the things I know for a fact at Fellowship of Champions. We do not despise repetitive teaching. We do not despise repetitive teaching. Somebody asked me one time, they said, why do you do so much repetitive teaching? Well, the reality of it is an athlete doesn't become elite unless they do things repetitively. Wide receivers have to run those routes hundreds of thousands of times so it can become automatic to them and they can do it with precision. And we want you to be precise in the word of God. So there are things that we teach and we say them over and over. We teach them in different contexts. Why? Because we want you to not just be able to intellectualize the word of God, but we want you to be able to practically walk out the word of God in your life. Amen. Amen. So we're going to talk about the wonders of faith. And in order to do that, one of the things we have to do is we have to start off with what I call a working definition. Now, why do we need a working definition? Because so many people have a different understanding of what faith is. They codify it in many different ways. For instance, there are even people when you start talking about faith, they begin to talk about it in a societal context. Like they say, oh, well, I'm of the Baptist faith or I'm of the Roman Catholic faith or I'm of the Church of God in Christ faith. But when we begin to talk about faith, we're not talking about that kind of faith. We're not talking about faith from a, a social or religious construct. We're talking about the kind of faith that God gave to every man. The Bible says he gave to each of us a measure of faith. Well, we want to find out what that measure of faith is. So let's talk about this. Let's define this as a definition that we're going to use as a working definition through this teaching. I want you to understand that when we say faith, we're saying that faith is a spiritual principle that taps into the creative power of God that has been available, made available to man. Now, watch this. It's a spiritual principle. And because it's a spiritual principle, it will work for anybody who gets involved with the principle. I always use this example, this example to, to, to illustrate this. Gravity does not care if you're black, if you're white, if you're Asian, Pacific Islander, 
if, if, if your ethnicity is, is, is something else, it, it, gravity doesn't care. It doesn't care how tall you are, how short you are, how heavy you are, how light you are. It, it just doesn't care. Gravity doesn't care about your gender. What gravity says is that if you get involved with me on planet Earth, I have one job, and that one job is to pull you to the center of the Earth. So if you get on top of a building and you jump, gravity is going to try to pull you to the center of the Earth. It, regardless of anything else about you. And so this spiritual principle works the same way. If you can get involved with this spiritual principle known as faith that taps into the creative power of God that has been made available to us, then you can use faith in the way God intended. So let's look at the rest of this definition. It says, whereby man, this is a spiritual principle that man can use, whereby man can transform his or her conditions, his or her circumstances, and his or her situations in this natural realm over which he or she has been given dominion and authority. Now, that's important. Why? Because you cannot use your faith to exercise dominion and authority in areas where you have not been given the right to do so. In order for you to be able to exercise your faith, you have to do it in a realm that God has said, here's an area where man can exercise faith, or Holy Spirit has said to you specifically because of your life, you can exercise faith here. For instance, we use this example all the time because it's, it's a very in-your-face kind of example. You cannot exercise your faith for somebody else's spouse. That's not how that works. In fact, you can't exercise your faith for somebody else's job. Now, if someone is in the job, but God told you it's your job, you can have faith for it, but you can't use your faith to remove them from it. You have to wait on God to do what he does as you're believing for what he's told you. Now, we're going to get into some of these details tonight because I'm just I am learning as I'm talking to more and more people that, that a lot of stuff people call faith just really ain't faith. It's just really not faith. And so we want to make sure that we understand what that is tonight. So when we begin to talk about faith, the use of the word faith in this spiritual action taken based on God's word is designed uh, to bring the promises of God to pass. That's why we that's why we get involved with faith. The, the Bible says that all of the promises in God are yes and amen. But we access those promises through faith. We access those promises by faith. From this context, the Bible has a lot to say about faith. It has a lot to say uh, in scripture uh, and it stresses the importance to the believer about understanding what we call Bible faith. And you're going to hear me use that word tonight because I like to be specific when I talk about faith. We're talking about Bible faith. We're, talk we're not talking about uh, foolishness or presumption. We're talking about faith. Like, how do I get involved with this spiritual principle? Because if it's a spiritual principle, then God has given us, if we will seek it, he has given us all we need to know or to do in order to be able to interact with this principle. 
Now, you've heard me say this many, many times before. I'll say it again for the sake of those who may be brand new to the broadcast. And if you are, welcome all of our first-time visitors. But if you have heard me teach any length of time, you've heard me say this before. That is that man is a tripartite creature. Man is a tripartite being. God created us that way so we could connect with both the physical world and the spiritual world. We know that man is that man has a body, right? We have a body because to be in the earth without a body is to be illegal. Uh, we know that man has what's known as a soul. A soul consists of our mind, our will, our emotions, our imagination, and our intellect. It's the part of us that other humans get to interact and know. But most importantly, we are also spirit beings. And when we get born again, that spirit man that we came to the earth with gets born again and gets renewed. The Bible says it becomes a new creature. It becomes something that had never existed before. It becomes in tune with God. The Bible says that when that happens, it says that uh, we become born of an incorruptible seed. And so because we, be, we, we, we are born of an incorruptible seed, I often say to people that once you are born again, and hear me when I say this, if you are really born again, that's the question. But once you become born again, once you give your life to Christ, really give your life, your heart to Christ, for the sake of salvation, you don't really ever have to hear a salvation message again. Why? Because you are born again. Now, again, that's a whole nother subject about whether you actually ever got born again. I believe there are some people who think they got born again. They actually never got born again. Why? Because if you get born again, there ought to be some changes happening. There ought to be some, some development in you that makes you more Christ-like. But if you got born again, praise God, then what you need to now focus on then is what we know as the elements of faith. Why? Because we know that all of the promises of God are received by faith. And it would be half of a job for God to save you. And then you have no ability to access all of the wonderful promises that he has left for you. Amen. And so we want to talk about the wonders of faith, because if you live your life properly, you would get an opportunity to experience some amazing wonders that God has prepared for you. But the only way you get them is through faith. The only way you get them is through faith. So let's begin. I want us to look at two or three scriptures uh, tonight. It's going to kind of solidify us how important faith is. And then we're going to talk a little bit about how we navigate uh, to receive these wonders of faith. So the first thing I want us to look at is 1 John uh, chapter 5, verse 4 and 5. 1 John chapter 5, verse 4 and 5. And here's what it says. It says, for whatsoever is born of God. Remember, I just talked about being saved. I just talked about being born again. If you're born again, then, then you are whatsoever. <laughs> you are a new creature. You are something that did not exist before. He says, for whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. And this is the victory that overcometh the world. He then says, even our faith. Some translations say it is our faith. And typically when people are preaching, this is where they stop. They stop at 1 John 5 and 4. But I want us to look at verse 5. Verse 5 then asks the question, who is it then that overcomes the world? And then he answers it. He says, only the one who does what? 
believes that Jesus is the son of God. So if you say, pastor, I believe that Jesus is the son of God, I'm born again, then you never have a reason to feel like you're not an overcomer. Because the Bible says that whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. This is the victory that overcometh the world. What's the victory? What do, how do we get the victory? What does the victory come from? Even our faith, our faith, that measure of faith that he's given us causes us to overcome the world. But how do we get that measure of faith to be active in our lives? He says, who uh, or who is that that overcometh the world? He says, only the one who believes that Jesus is the son of God. So if you believe that you are born again, then I need you to type in the comment section right now. Say, I am an overcomer. I am an overcomer comer. And if because you are an overcomer, that means that whatever situation you face, you are not out of it. So you don't have a reason to give up. You don't have a, a reason to cave in. You don't have a reason to quit. Why? Because you, if you hang in there, are an overcomer. And just like believers believe, overcomers overcome. Do I have any overcomers out there tonight? Do I have anybody who knows I don't care how bad this situation may be right now? It ain't over because I haven't won yet. And it ain't over until I win because I am an overcomer. Amen. That's the reason we've been we've been uh, putting our feet in the sand on this scripture uh, since November of last year, because November of 2020, the Lord gave Fellowship of Champions this word, First Corinthians. 15 and 58, we've been reading it several times. You probably know it by heart now. It says, therefore, my beloved brothers and sisters, with all we have going for us. Somebody says, wait a minute. What do we have going for us? The fact that we're overcomers. What do we have going for us? The fact that we don't give in, we don't cave in and we don't quit. What do we have going for us? That we got faith working for us on our behalf. What is faith? The ability for us to change natural conditions, circumstances and situations to come out the way God said, not the way the world said. Therefore, my beloved brothers and sisters, with all we have going for us, be ye steadfast. In other words, don't, 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 don't worry about what's going on all around you. Remember the word. You're born of God. You are a born again believer. And as such, you are an overcomer. He says, therefore, my beloved brothers and sisters, with all we have going for us, be ye steadfast, be unmovable, secure, and firmly planted. Put your feet in the sand and do not be moved, no matter what is going on around you. Why? He says this. He says, live your lives with an unshakable confidence, always abounding in the work of the Lord. How can I live my life with unshakable confidence? Because like Ralph said last week, God has already shown me what it looks like when I win. So I ain't moved by the fact that it looks like I'm losing now. I've already seen the end of it. My faith gives me foresight to see what God has already said. He says, live your lives with unshakable confidence, always abounding in the work of the Lord. He says, we know that we prosper and excel, baby, in every single season. Listen, I don't about to preach myself happy. Listen, we excel in every season. We excel in every season, every single season. How? By serving the Lord. He says, because we are sure 
we are assured. The Bible says God is not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should repent for anything. He says that we are assured that our union with the Lord, praise God, we partner with God. Somebody say that, say, I'm in partnership with God. He says, our union with the Lord makes our labor productive and not a waste of time or effort. That's what my faith does. My faith keeps me rooted and grounded when everything else doesn't seem like it's going the way it should in order for it to turn out the way I want it to. But just because it doesn't look like it doesn't mean it's changed what God said. I don't walk by sight. I walk by faith. That's what the Bible says in Hebrews 11 and 6. It says, but without it, without what? Without faith. If you don't have this, if you're not born of God, if you haven't allowed God to come in and to, to rescue and change your heart, really change your heart, you may be in hope and you may be in wish, but you're not in faith. He says, but without faith, it becomes impossible to please God. Why? He says, for he that cometh to God must first believe. He says, you can't come to God and ask God to do something, not even believing that God is going to do it and then expect to get it. James calls that being double-minded. He said, a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. He says, let not that man ask anything of the Lord and think that he's going to get it. Why? Because he doesn't believe. And Hebrews 11 and 6 tells us, it says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Listen, there are wonders to behold in the kingdom of God when we learn to use our faith. Amen. There is a definite connection between what we believe and what the gospel, what we describe as the two good to be true good news has to say if we are not believing what the word says and we're believing something contrary to what the word says even though you may know what the word says the only thing that can get produced is what you believe let me say that again just because you know what the word says doesn't necessarily mean you believe what the word says. And if you don't believe what the word says, then you can only produce what you believe. That's why believing is so important. Listen, when life throws challenges at us and worldly systems fail and they will fail, it is faith in God's word and knowing how to rightly divide it that gives us the victory over adversity. Listen, if you want victory over adversity, you got to learn how to cultivate and develop your faith. And I say it like this all the time. Faith is a muscle. If you don't work that muscle out, it's never going to get stronger. In the same way that God gave all of us abs, everybody abs don't look the same. Why? Because some people have spent time developing their abs, while other people have spent time neglecting theirs. And you can't get mad at the person who gets up at 6 a.m. every morning and spends two hours working on their abs and you don't ever do a squat. 
You don't ever do a crunch. You don't ever do a lunge. You don't ever do anything and then you're mad at somebody else because they developed what they had. All you got to do is make the decision you're going to develop what you have. And so we've got to make sure that we learn how to rightly divide this word so that we can have victory over adversity. Somebody type that in the comment section. Say, I have victory over adversity. I have victory over adversity. Listen, if you ain't tagged your friends yet, you need to tag them. We're about to get into some stuff here. And I believe it's going to be key for some of you in how you change your behavior so you can begin to see the promises of God come to pass in your life. Listen, the kind of faith or trust that we need to walk in victory in every area of life goes beyond simple religion. It goes beyond just, just, just the church you belong to. I say this all the time. Just because you go to a faith church doesn't make you a faith person any more than going outside and standing in the garage makes you a Ferrari. You are not a Ferrari because you go outside and stand in your garage. Neither are you a person of faith just because you happen to go to a church that is a church of faith or a church that has faith in the name. You are a person of faith because you are committed. You hear me? You are committed to the principles of God. When we talk about faith, we talk about Bible faith. Bible faith gives us a way to be practical in applying the word of God to everyday situations. Faith, somebody say this, faith is not spooky. Faith is not spooky. It's not designed to be mystical. It's not designed to be so that you don't understand it. Faith is designed so that you and I have a blueprint so that we can walk out faith so that we have a victory over everyday situations. Using precision in our application of the gospel of Jesus Christ gives us an ability to succeed on every level. And that is something that the world simply does not have. Using precision in the application of the gospel of Jesus Christ gives us an ability to succeed on every level. Tell your neighbor, if you was in church, I'd have you tell your neighbor, I succeed on every level. I succeed on every level. And people sometimes look at me like I'm crazy when I teach like this. But that's what faith is. Faith doesn't say, well, I hope I make it. Well, maybe I'll make it this time. Well, you know, 50-50 ain't bad. Listen, faith says I succeed on every level. And that is different. Yes, that is different than what the world can expect. The world cannot expect to win on every level. You even hear them say it. You win some, you what? You lose some. They say it all the time. In the kingdom, we ain't losing. Praise God. In the kingdom, we are not losing. If we want to get anything good out of life, and I hope you want some good stuff out of life because God has some good stuff for you. He tells us in Jeremiah, I know the thoughts that I think towards you, saith the Lord. They are thoughts of peace and increase. They are to give you an expected end, a hope and a future. So we know God has good plans for us before we ever showed up. And so if we expect to live in those good plans, we must know where to look. Think about it. We could never earn our own deliverance, no matter how hard you worked. 
No matter how good you were, you could never earn your own deliverance. We could never earn our own healing. We could never earn our own success and we could never own our own prosperity and we could never ever get those things by our own intellect, our own skills, or our own talents. It takes faith to receive all of those things. These things are only available through God's grace. God graces us with all of these wonderful promises via our faith. Listen, when we believe in Jesus Christ and depend on him, this unmerited, undeserved favor from God gives us real power to receive from him. I was talking to someone the other day and they were saying, it's just so hard to receive. It's just so hard to receive. And I said to them, do you know that you are getting exactly what you're saying? You literally are proving that faith works. You keep saying it's so hard to receive and as a consequence, guess what? It becomes hard for you to receive. Imagine if you started saying, it's so easy for me to receive from God. It's so easy for me to receive. I receive every day. I receive from God two, three times a day. God loves me so much, he can't stop giving to me. I said, imagine what would happen. And you know faith works because now you're saying it's hard to receive and you're getting what's coming out of your mouth. Look at your neighbor and say, what comes out of your mouth always works. Yeah, what comes out of your mouth. Now, I tell people, I add a caveat to this. It's what comes out of your mouth via your heart. Because the Bible says out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth is going to speak. So, see, that's why you can't just be making confessions uh, on, on, on Sunday mornings and then the rest of the week you're saying garbage out of your mouth. You can't just you can't run around saying everything you think talking about, well, pastor, I'm just going to keep it real. Whatever you're keeping it is what's going to be in your life. So if I got to choose to keep it something, I'm going to keep it kingdom. If I got to say something, I'm going to say what the kingdom says. If I got to say something, I'm going to say what Holy Spirit said. If I got to say something, I'm going to say what God's word declares. I'm not going to allow my mouth to be reckless and to bankrupt me. So as I said, as, as we started saying this, uh, what, about four, four Sundays ago, uh, you're going to always have adversity. People keep saying, well, you know, life just is it's easy for you. It's, you know, Pastor Raph, Pastor Chris, they just got it so easy. And Pastor Sean and Mr. Chandra and, you know, the partners who've been with y'all, y'all got it so easy. Listen, the devil dogs us just like he dogs everybody else. We just learn how to dog him more. We learn how to fight in faith. The Bible says the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. So we've learned to use faith as our boxing gloves. And when the enemy shows up, we throw haymakers. We knock his tail out. We don't allow him to punk us. We don't allow him to scare us. We don't allow him to come in our face and tell us what we're going to do. We are the overcomers and we've learned to do that. How? By operating in faith. Listen, to oh, I said I started saying this. Being born again does not exempt you from life's challenges. I don't know how somebody say that. Say being born again does not exempt me from life's challenges. I know we said it on Sunday. I know we said it two weeks ago. I know we said it three weeks ago, but we're gonna say it tonight. Being born again does not exempt me from life's challenges. 
I am still going to have challenges. The difference is faith is my tool that guarantees my victory in the midst of the challenge. Everything we need is available to us in the spirit realm. Everything we need is available to us in the spirit realm. We access it by faith. Faith is all we need to move those things that we need from the spiritual realm to the physical realm where you and I can physically access them. Nothing exists in the natural realm without existing in the spiritual realm first. The spiritual realm, if you could pull back the fabric of this natural realm, you would see that everything that has ever been created in this natural realm came from the spiritual realm first. The spiritual realm is actually more real than this natural realm. This natural realm, in many ways, is either a replication of what's in the spirit or perversion by the enemy of what's in the spirit. But the enemy has no creativity. God has creativity. The enemy has no creativity, so all he can do is take what is real and pervert it. And so if you and I would learn to get what we need from the spiritual realm, rather than always looking in the natural, we would stop being so disappointed. Hear me when I say this, a strong faith, a strong faith depends solely on our ability to fully trust God and his word. People want to talk about having big faith. It's not about the size of your faith. The Bible says all you need is the faith the size of a mustard seed. He said, if you had faith that size, you could speak to a mountain. You could tell a mountain to get up from where it is and go throw itself into the sea. He says, and that, that mountain would obey you because you only need a little faith to do a lot. So it's not about how much faith you got. It's about knowing how to use the faith you have with precision. That's why I don't say, God, give me more faith. I say, God, give me more trust. Teach me how to trust you more. Because if I trust you, just, just a dab of faith will change the whole world. We see this is true when we look at Hebrews chapter 11. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, in the Amplified, it's one of my favorite scriptures. And I know I say that about a lot of scriptures because I have a lot of favorite scriptures. But Hebrews 11 and 1 in the Amplified says this. It says, now, now faith is. When it's faith, now. That's why we watch our language here. You know, we don't even say stuff like, oh, God's getting ready. No, no, no. God has already blessed us. He ain't getting ready. We getting ready to see, but God has already blessed us. He says, now faith is, and I love this, it is the assurance. It is the title deed. It is the confirmation of things hoped for, divinely guaranteed, and the evidence of things not seen. It goes on to say, it is the conviction of their or our reality. Faith convince me that what God said is real. <laughs> Glory to God. Glory to God. Faith convicts me. You ever been convicted about something? When you get convicted about something, you can't sleep. You can't, you can't stop. You, you, until you agree with it or do what it says, you don't have any rest. Faith says that when, you, when God says something to you, faith is the thing that convicts you or convinces you of its reality. It says faith comprehends, understands as fact 
what cannot be experienced, glory to God, by our five senses. See, there are things God wants to deal with you with that go beyond your five senses. Are y'all hearing me tonight? God wants to get beyond your sight. God wants to get beyond your sense of hearing, your sense of smell. God wants to get beyond your sense of taste. God wants to get beyond your sense of touch. God wants to do something that ain't never been done before. God wants to show you something that ain't nobody else ever seen before. He's had it hidden in heaven just for you. But to access it, you got to get beyond this physical realm and get to something real, which is the spirit realm. You got to get to some place that you can't touch it, some place you can't see it with your natural eyes, some place you can't hear it with your ears. He says, now faith is that assurance. Now faith is that assurance. The Bible says it is a title deed. What is a title deed? A title deed is a legal document that has been signed, it has been sealed, and it has been, been delivered that lawfully Watch this. Transfers property to a new owner and it verifies that the person's legal right to possess it. Oh, glory to God. Glory to God. He says faith is your title deed. And here's what it does. When you show up at heaven's door, knocking on heaven's door with your faith, glory to God, you show up and you say, healing belongs to me. They say, well, we got to check the record. And they begin to look at your name through all of those heavenly file cabinets. And they find healing with your name attached to it. They say, okay, we got documented that healing is here, but how do we know it's yours? You say, here's my title deed. Here's my faith. My faith says that not only does this thing legally supposed to be transferred to me, but glory to God, I got the legal right to possess it. Glory to God. I'm telling you, there are wonders. There are wonders in faith. There are things that you get to boldly go to the throne and declare belong to you as long as you have the title deed. Glory to God. My wife and I was blessed to be able to pay off our cars of this past year. And recently they sent the title to the car. I literally, I have in my possession the title deed for my truck. It is not prayed for, but also prayed for, glory to God. I have a title deed. If you show up at my house, the bank says, oh, that truck belongs to us. No, sir, it does not. I have something that was signed, sealed, and delivered to me. It was legally transferred out of the bank's ownership into mine. I have a right to legally possess it because my faith and my dollars paid for it, glory to God. And I am telling you, there are wonders in faith. Somebody say that, say, there are wonders in my faith. There are wonders. There are things God wants to show you. And he is literally beseeching us, begging us to be people of faith so that he can show us what it is that he has in store for me. That's right, Pastor Ralph, my faith paid for it. Listen, I want you to decide tonight, what is your faith going to pay for in the next 30 days? What are you willing to say? You know what? My, my faith is going to pay for this in the next 30 days. Uh, it's going to pay for. And when you are in faith, you can have some expectations when you are in faith. 
There are expectations that come with being in faith. Listen, if you ever want to know whether or not you're in faith, look at the expectations that attach to faith. Because when you are in faith, there are a couple of things that always happen. Number one, when you are in faith, you always get wisdom from God. God always shares wisdom with you, not only wisdom about how to get something to, to be done. He'll give you timing because what is wisdom? It's the correct application of knowledge. So when you are in faith, one of your expectations could be God is going to give me wisdom. Another expectation that you can have is that God's going to give me a plan of action. God's going to tell me what to do. I am never out here in this world. Glory to God alone. God will help me. The Holy Spirit is known as the paraclete. He is the teacher. He will come alongside me and teach me step by step. There were times early in my administrative career that I was given tasks to do certain things that I had not been trained to do. I'd be trying to work on them and trying to do them and trying to figure them out. And the Lord would say, close that computer. Close that computer and go to bed. And I would obey God and go to bed knowing I had a project due in the next day or so. And God would supernaturally download to me exactly what to do. I would follow God's instruction. And my superiors would say, oh, I don't know why we never thought to do it that way before. We've never seen it done that way before. We're going to roll this out company-wide. How did you know how to do this? God told me. I exercise my faith. God will give me wisdom. I had an expectation. God will give me a plan of action. And another expectation that you can have when you are in faith is that God will raise up somebody who, 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 who will come alongside you and work on your behalf. You never have to be alone. Say, I hear people say all the time, well, my family don't support me. Black folk don't support me. Women don't support me. Listen, all you need is the Holy Spirit. He will touch the heart of every single person you need. He will raise up people to come alongside you and help you. And then, and then another expectation that you can have when you're in faith is you can expect God for a miracle. Now, now understand, we can't predict miracles, but we can always be in faith for them. Why? Because there are certain things that happen in our lives that cannot be explained. They cannot be explained through math. They cannot be explained through science. They cannot be explained through reason, through logic. But God did it. <laughs> and sometimes you just need to say, God, you did it. I don't even know how that thing showed up. I don't know how it worked, but God, I thank you. I believed it was going to work out. I didn't know how, but God, you did it. And I thank you for the miracle. You can have expectations when you are in faith. If you have no expectation, baby, you are not in faith. Listen, it is essential for us to understand the specifics of how our faith and how God's word are connected. It is essential. It is essential for you to understand the specifics about how our faith and how God's word are connected. To overcome everything going on in this world, we must know how to operate in precision where faith is concerned. Faith cannot be hit or miss. Faith cannot be hit or miss. When there are issues going on, we have to remember we must go to the word. Not only must we go to the word, we must also take the answers that, that we need. The answer is our victory over the problem. 
I can't tell you the number of people who will ask for assistance or instruction. Myself or Pastor Sean will direct them back to the word of God and they will literally be, it's gotta be something else. The gospel is the too good to be true good news. How could you want something else other than what God has said? That's the reason that we typically start most conversations with this mantra. When people ask us a question, what, <laughs> you already know, what did God say? Because if you don't know what God said, then you have nothing to solidify you. Faith begins, come on, where the will of God is known. Somebody type that in the comment section. Say, faith begins where the will of God is known. If we do not know what God is saying, we don't know what we are to be believing. When there are issues going on in the world, that's why we go to God's word. Now, sometimes we go to God and God will give us a specific word. Why, why do I say that? Because remember earlier in the year, uh, we, we said this many times, and so I'll repeat it again, that when God is, is talking to us, the Bible gives us a universal word, but the Holy Spirit will give us a unique word. The Holy Spirit will give us unique uh, tasks, unique uh, steps, uh, unique keys that we are to follow and obey when he wants us to do a specific thing that's specific for our life. But the basis of that has to start with the word of God. I told somebody today, I said, you're frustrated with God because you don't know his word. I said, I'm not being rude to you and I'm not trying to be short. But what you want to do is hold me hostage on the phone and talk about how bad everything is. But when I ask you, what did God say? You can't tell me. If you can't tell me what God said, get off my phone. Go find out what God said. Call me back and let's talk about it. Because you got to know what God says. Tell you, somebody type that. Say, you must know what God says. I'm not being rude. I want to help you grow up, though. You got to know what God is saying. Listen, prime example. The Bible says that God told Abraham to take Isaac up to the mountain and to sacrifice him. And I know when people tell this story, we get the idea that Abraham had, had this little bitty baby. But we know he wasn't no little bitty baby because Isaac carried the firewood up the mountain. So historians say that he was somewhere between the ages of 22 and 25 years old. Regardless, he was old enough and young enough to take Abraham if he wanted to. But the Bible says that he believed in his father. He had trust and belief in his father. And as a result, they went up on that mountain. And the Bible says that they prepared the altar and, and, and they were looking around for the sacrifice. And I'm sure Isaac was like, well, where's the sacrifice? Because I brought the wood, but who got the ram? I don't see no ram around here. And, and, and Abraham had faith. He said, God will provide. And so while he began to lay that boy down, tied his feet and his hands down on that altar and, and began to draw his knife back to stab the boy, to sacrifice him, the Bible says that God spoke out to him and told him to stay his hand. And he told him to look over there. There was a ram caught in a bush and that became the sacrifice. How far are you willing to have faith in God to do what God's telling you to do? How far are you willing to go? Or do you look around and say, well, ain't no sacrifice, so I'm going to give up. God ain't came through and it's already Thursday. I need my rent by the, by the first of the month and it's already the 15th and God ain't showed up. So I'm just going to give up and quit. How far are you willing to go? Listen, 
If we do not get into God's word, and we must get into God's word, if we do not get into God's word, we will not have the faith that we need to stand in the day of adversity. If we do not get in God's word, we will not have the faith to stand in the day of adversity. When you see people of faith and they are making it look easy, the only reason they make it look easy is because they're standing in faith. That's the only reason it looks easy because they're standing in faith. If they weren't standing in faith, they'd be pulling their hair out just like other people. They'd be losing their mind just like other people. They'd be crying and weeping and gnashing at the teeth just like other people. It's not that people are different in the terms of some people have the ability and some people don't. No, it is because some people have learned to exercise with precision these principles of faith. Listen, the Bible says it like this in Romans 10, 17. Again, one of my, one of my great favorite scriptures, Romans 10, 17. It says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. There is a Latin phrase uh, for this. And it, 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 it says, it's ad infinitum, ad, it's, it's ad infinium, ad infinitum. If you look up the word uh, ad infinium, it means to hear, to see, and to do the same way over and over and over. It means to see, to hear, to do in the same way over and over and over. So if you look at the word, the Latin phrase ad infinium, ad infinitum, it means to hear, it means to see, it means to do over and over in the same way. And then you say to infinity. In other words, I keep believing God. I believe God on Monday. I believe God on Tuesday. I believe God on Wednesday. I believe God on Friday. I believe God the first of the year. I believe God in the middle of the year. I believe God at the end of the year. And if I see it on seed, I believe God into the next year. I do not stop believing. Ad infinium, ad infinitum. I keep hearing God's word over and over and over and over. That is how my faith gets built. The Bible says in Romans 1 and 16, it says, For I am not ashamed, watch this, of the gospel of Christ. For it, the gospel of Christ, is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. Now, this word salvation, you can't just limit that word salvation to being born again, because that word salvation doesn't just mean being born again. In this context, the word power there in that scripture translates to ability. So it says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the ability of God unto salvation. That word salvation there means sozo, which contains our, 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 preser our preservation, our healing, our deliverance, and our prosperity. He says, for I am not ashamed of this gospel. In other words, I'll tell, I'll tell my family about it. I'll tell strangers about it. I'll tell anybody about it. I am believing God. And why am I believing God? I'm believing God because this gospel has the ability of God contained in it so that it can create salvation or deliverance. My, 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 my preservation, my healing, my deliverance and my prosperity to who? To everyone that does what? Believes. That's the condition. Come on, write in the comment section. Say, I believe. Say, I believe. I believe. 
if you believe in this gospel, and that's the reason I say that some people really don't know the word. They know scriptures. They know intellectual fault, but they don't know this word. When I say the word, I'm not just talking about the words on the pages, baby. I'm talking about who is the word. The Bible says that in the beginning was the word and the word was God and that God was with us and that Jesus became the word and dwelt among us. So when I say I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, I'm saying I'm not ashamed of God. I'm not ashamed of Jesus. I'm not ashamed of their word because their word gives me the ability to produce everything that I need. Listen, when we talk about being ashamed in Romans 1 and 16, to be ashamed, here, this is literally a definition of to be ashamed. It means to be embarrassed or guilty because of one's actions, one's characteristics, or because you are in association with somebody. See, when you are ashamed, y'all didn't hear me, y'all didn't hear me. When you are ashamed of the gospel, when you won't tell somebody, God's going to heal Brother Rod. When you won't declare it because you like, well, God, it's all up to God. It's God's will. When you are ashamed to proclaim what God has said to you, when you are, when you won't say, this is my year of release, when you won't say out loud, out your mouth, this is my season of great harvest, when you too scared and lily-livered to say, this is my five to one year, you are ashamed of the gospel. And to be ashamed means you are ashamed or embarrassed of God's actions, of his characteristics, or to be associated with him. But I don't know about you, but I ain't, as I ain't ashamed to be associated with God. I'm glad to be associated with God. I'm never going to be ashamed. I'm never going to be put to shame. I'm never going to come up embarrassed because I trust God. Well, pastor, how can you say that? Because I happen to know the word. The Bible says in Isaiah 54 and 4, Isaiah 54 and 4 says, fear not, for you will not be put to what? There it is. He says, don't be afraid. You can trust God. You can believe God for that house. You can believe God for that car. You can believe God for the salvation of those kids. You can believe God for healing. You can believe God for that marriage. You can believe God for the restoration of relationships. You don't have to fear. Be of good courage. I've already overcome the world. And if you are in me, you've already overcome the world. You don't have to be afraid. You will not be put to shame. He says, and do not feel humiliated. For you will not be disgraced. God is not a man <laughs> that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should repent for anything. If God said it, it is so. I shall not fear. I shall not be afraid. I shall not be humiliated. I will trust God. <laughs> Oh, glory to God. How much time I got? I all got to go. It's almost nine o'clock. I got to go. Listen here. Look, look, look. Give me five, five, 10, 15, 20 more minutes. <laughs> Listen, in the Old Testament, the gospel is referred to as glad tidings or good tidings. The gospel of Christ that Paul wrote about specifically refers to the good news that we prophesied about. The good news of Christ is that Christ became our ransom. 
Christ became our peace offering. He gave us the gift of forgiveness and the grace of God. He gave us the gospel of Christ and the gospel of Christ is the gospel of grace. It is how we access salvation. And the way we access salvation tells us that if we are born of God, then we overcome the world. How do we overcome the world? Even our faith. Again, this passage is significant because it was written by the Apostle Paul. And the Apostle Paul is known in many, the in many theologian circles as the Apostle of Grace. Despite Paul's past, and y'all know Paul's past. I ain't got to preach that to you. You know what kind of person Paul was before he was Paul. He still received God's grace and forgiveness. Why? Because he had the ability to believe God when God showed up. Listen, those of you who say you are partners at Fellowship of Champions, if you want to be a blessing to me and to Pastor Sean, to the praise team, to the prayer team, to the other pastors and ministers on staff, if you really want to be a blessing to us, it ain't about your cash app in us. It's about you learning to walk by faith. Because if you walk by faith and I walk by faith, the Bible says that one can turn a thousand, but two can turn 10,000. If we get 150 people in this fellowship walking by faith, we can change the world. And I know that sounds lofty, but it only sounds lofty when you don't understand the power of faith. God's grace is defined as unmerited, unabounding provision of the unrestrained operation of his infinite love to us. We only get access to this through Jesus Christ. When we depend on Christ and we properly apply the gospel, it gives us access to all the finished works of Christ. One of the greatest statements, and he made a lot of them, one of the greatest statements that Jesus ever made is when he was hanging on the cross and he uttered the words, it is finished. When he said it is finished, it was our beginning. Glory to God. When he said it was finished, it was our beginning. Our beginning what? To live outside the realm of possibilities to live beyond what this natural realm uh, could offer us. It was our beginning to live a supernaturally em 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 uh, empowered life. Understand this, believers have a commandment from God to live by faith. If we've been born again and we're living by worldly standards, listen, I'm telling you, you are living in what we call Lodibar. You are living in a place of low stature. You are living beneath who you are. You are a king's kid living in the slums. You need to rise up and you need to reclaim your throne and your crown. And you need to live as God has called you to live. But you can't do it with one foot in the world and one foot in the kingdom. And you're dancing with the devil Monday through Friday and then trying to hold hands with God on the weekend. You got to learn to live seven days a week, 24 hours a day, seven days a week for the Lord. 
are you going to be perfect? No. My spiritual father says all the time, if you walk with God long enough, you're going to miss it. But God searches your heart. Is your heart turned toward God? Do you want to please him? Do you seek to please him? Do you want to do what is right in his sight? Developing our trust in God is impossible, though, if we refuse to study and hear his word. Listen, my wife and I have been going back and forth about last uh, Wednesday's message on imagination. Well, wait a minute, Pastor. You mean you've been you've been reading and studying uh, somebody else's word who served under you? Yes. What he preached last week was a piece of revelation that everybody needs. And if you don't grab hold to it, you're going to have this puzzle piece that's got missing pieces. That's why you don't know what's going on when you show up every four weeks. That's why you miss it. That's why you don't get it. Well, what are you talking about? The same thing we've been talking about the past three weeks when you went AWOL. You got to learn how to get some discipline and show up to prayer and show up to Bible study and show up to service. Why? Because if you don't, you're going to be left out and you're going to try to blame God, but you can't blame perfection. It is up to you to develop your faith. And I love all of y'all. But it's up to you to develop your faith. And I ain't scared of none of y'all, but it's up to you to develop your faith. Therefore, we must be careful of what we hear. We got to be careful what we let, what we let go in our ear gate. We got to be careful of what we let go in our eye gate. Because if you just take in a whole bunch of, a bunch of junk, it's like my statistics uh, professor told me in my doctoral program. He said, junk in, junk out. You put bad junk in the computer through your SPSS program or your SAS program, you're going to get bad junk out. He said, that's why you got to know how to do the math. That's why you got to know what the word says. See, you got people who are saying stuff like this. Well, you know, you don't have to tithe anymore. Tithing is an Old Testament phenomenon, even though they lying, they ain't read the Bible, know anything about it. But it's what they say. It's an Old Testament phenomenon. You ain't got to do, you know, fasting. That, no, that ain't really, that ain't really a thing anymore in 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 in, in new Christianity. And, and and all that speaking in tongue, that stuff. You don't have to do all that. Tongues is gone. That and, and there's no such thing as apostles anymore. You know, we don't need that. All we need is a preacher. You know, if you know all this fivefold, we don't need all that. And they and you have you hear all that stuff and if you are unlearned there are people who have the gift or a or, of to be a, to be great orators and they will begin to say stuff and you will pick it up like it's real but my question anytime anybody says something to me is where is that at in the bible where is that at in the bible because i see tithing in the bible and i see the results of tithing in my life so until you can show me that it ain't in the bible no more and until i can until you can show me that it's not producing results in my life no more i gotta keep on tithing and you gotta be the kind of person that says i'm gonna hang with god i don't care what nobody else does god wants us to walk by faith and not by our senses he wants us to walk by our by, by our faith not by our senses for us as Christians, depending on our spiritual vision instead of our own physical eyesight allows God to manifest what is already made available to us. You and I are believers. We must depend on our spiritual vision. How do I get spiritual vision? Through imagination, 
through spending time with God and letting him paint the picture of my future on the reality of my heart. And when I do that, rather than just looking with things with my physical eyesight, like, dang, I just got laid off on my job, or dang, I didn't get a big enough raise this year, or dang, uh, this bonus didn't come in, or dang, this thing didn't happen. He says, stop looking at that stuff with your physical eyesight. He says, and begin to look at it through spiritual vision. Living our lives by faith pleases God. The only way to develop our faith is through his word. When you and I get born again, God declares us righteous and just. He does that, not us. We don't make ourselves righteous. We don't make ourselves just. If God says I'm the righteous of God in Christ Jesus because I'm born again, I'm accepted. I, I didn't do anything to earn it. I didn't do anything to keep it. It's just by his grace. But I want you to look at this. Several places he says it. We're going to start in Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 4. Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 4. And I might come back and teach some of this later. I won't rush it. But look at this. Habakkuk 2 and 4. He says, behold, his soul which is lifted up is not upright in him. Notice what he says. He says, but the what? The just shall live by what? His faith. If you're going to be just in the eyes of God, you got to live by faith. And you can't live by faith if your soul is not upright. Now, you know what we, we know about the soul. The soul is not the spirit. What is the soul? Your mind, your will, your emotions, your imagination, and your intellect. If those things are not upright, if those things aren't headed toward God, if those things aren't being influenced by the spirit, he says, then you can't walk by faith because the just has to live by his faith. Let's look at Romans 1 and 17. Romans 1, 17, for therein is the righteousness of God revealed. How is God's righteousness to you revealed? He says, from faith to faith. He says, as it is written, what? The just shall live by faith. Okay, that's not enough. Let's go to Galatians 3 and 11. It says in Galatians 3 and 11, but that no man is justified by the law in his sight of God, in the sight of God. He says, no man is justified by the law in the sight of God. In other words, we don't live by the law. Praise God, because he says in the law, if you break one of them, you've broken them all. He says, we don't live by the law. He says, it is evident for what? The just shall do what? Live by faith. You still not convinced? Let's look at Hebrews 10, 38. He says, now the just <laughs> shall live by what? Faith. But if any man draw back, if you in faith and you shrink, if you if you in faith and you leave God, he says, then my soul shall have no pleasure in him. You got to understand we are called to live by faith. We are called to live by faith. I'm going to end with this story in 2 Kings chapter 6. Just going to tell you the story. 2 Kings chapter 6, a story about Elijah. In 2 Kings, 2 Kings chapter 6, uh, verse 8, verse 12, 14 through 18. If you take taking notes, just write it down. You can go and read it. We'll end with this story here because I want you to see what happens here. The Bible says in 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 8, it says, Then the king of Syria warred against Israel and took counsel with his servants, saying, In such and such a place shall be my camp. And then later on in verse, verse 12, he says, And one of his servants said, None. My Lord, O King, he says, but Elijah, the prophet that is in Israel, it is he. 
that telleth the king of Israel the words that you, king of Syria, speak in your bedchamber. Now, notice this. He says, I'm going to set up camp and I'm going to do this and that. And the man who's with him says, ah, that ain't going to work, man. <laughs> they got a dude over there in Israel named Elijah. And he be telling the king of Israel everything you're going to do when you be talking about it in your bedchamber way over here. The Bible says, therefore sent he thither horses and chariots and a great host. And they came by night and compassed the city about. It says, and when the servant of the man of God, when Elijah's servant was risen early that morning to go forth, behold, it was a whole host uh, compassed the city, both with horses and chariots. The Bible says, and his servant said unto him, Elijah's servant said unto him, alas, my master. He says, how shall we do? He says, and he answered him and he told him, fear not. He says, for they that be with us, I get excited every time I hear this story. He says, for they that be with us are more than they that be with them. And Elijah prayed and said, Lord, I pray that you open up his eyes that he may see. That's my prayer for every partner of Fellowship of Champions. Lord, open up their eyes so they can see. I know they think this economy is bigger than they are. Lord, open up their eyes. God, I know that they believe the relationship can't be repaired, that the marriage is done, but God, you said you put them together. Open up their eyes and let them see God. The Bible says, and the Lord opened the eyes of the young servant, and he saw, and behold, the mountain was full, glory to God, of horses and chariots of fire round about Elijah. And when they came down to him, Elijah prayed again, and he said, Lord, smite these people. I pray thee with blindness. And the Bible says God smote them with blindness according to the word of God. My prayer is that God will open up your eyes so that you could see and that he will smite with blindness every obstacle trying to stop you. That is my prayer as your man, of, as your man, M-A-N-D, your man of God. I pray that your eyes be open, that you be flooded with light. God, let them see that there is more for us than there is against us. The Bible says that Elijah prayed two times. And the first time he prayed, the man's eyes opened up and he looked around and said, oh, my God goodness we ain't never been alone somebody need to put in the comment section i ain't never been alone i ain't never been alone i ain't never been by, by myself god's always had my 12 god's always had my six god's had my three and my nine he surrounded me with his glory my faith causes me to see the realities of those things i have not yet seen with my natural eye well, glory to God. I'm done. I done preached myself happy. <laughs> Thanks, Pastor Ralph. I needed this. Listen, here's what you need to understand. The servant saw something. I know I said I was stupid. You know I got three closes. The servant saw something that caused him to fear. Don't y'all miss this. The servant saw something 
that caused him to fear. What are you seeing that's causing you to fear? What is it money? Is it is it resources? Is it what the doctor's report said? Is it what the marriage counselor said? Is it how your kids are acting? Is it the economy? Is it the job market? What are you seeing that is causing you to fear? Whatever it is, I am begging you tonight to say, God, open up my eyes. Show me what reality is. Because I know that what I see with my natural eyes is not what you've shown in the spirit. Show me what's in the spirit realm. Make it real to me, God. The servant saw something that caused him to fear. And watch this. Fear blocked his faith. Fear blocked his faith. And because fear blocked his faith, Elijah had to reassure him not to be afraid. Fellowship of champions. Partners at FOC, I want to assure you that God Almighty, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, the anointed one who carries the anointing with him, has decreed and declared that this is your year of release, that this is your year and season of great harvest that this is the time of five to one acceleration in your life. He has declared that you will not be ashamed for believing in him. He has declared that you will not be humiliated in declaring what he has said. This is your season. This is your time to experience the wonders of your faith. The wonders of your faith. Do I have anybody out there who say it's me? It's me. Put your little hand emoji up. Do something. Let me know. I can't see the comments, but I go back and read them. Listen, you ought to be declaring, Pastor, that's me. Pastor Edwin, that's me. I'm going to see the wonders of my faith. God has packages of gifts for you. There are warehouses full of resources with your name on it. There are things designed that nobody else has the title deed for except for you. They are just for you. And God is ready to release it to the rightful legal owner. And your faith gives you the ability to boldly declare that what God has for you, Tiffany, what God has for you, Angel, what God has for you, Michelle, what God has for you, Chandra, what God has for you, Nitra, what God has for you, Mama Sand, because I don't call her by her first name, what God has for you is for you. Who glory to God. I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> I'm done. Listen, if you ain't stirred up about this, you dead. You need to ask the Lord. To, the Bible says that the spirit of the Lord will quicken your mortal bodies. Your mortal body ought to be quickened tonight. If you understand the realities of what Jesus did for you on that cross, when he said it is finished, it started your beginning. Not only did he die to get you out of sin, he then went and took all the power from the wicked one and gave you the power to, to make sure you could always stay above the wicked one. He said, then I'm going to put some stuff.
stuff in your heart so you will ask me for it so then I can be a good daddy to you and give it to you. Oh, good. Listen, say this and then we're going to go. For real. Say this. Say this and we're going to go. Say, Father, I give you permission to be good to me. Father, I give you permission to be good for, to be good to me. I'm packing up. I'm gone. Father, I give you permission <laughs> to be good to Edwin Strickland. I give you permission to be good to every faithful partner at Fellowship of Champions. Father, I give you permission to bless every tither, every sower, every giver, every prayer, every faster, every partner of this ministry. I give you permission to show up in ways you've never shown up before. And I believe that when I pray, I believe those things that I pray for. Some of y'all better get ready to see some things you ain't never seen before. I ain't no singer, but don't test me. But I know that Christian used to sing a song and they used to say, I'm getting ready. I'm getting ready to see some things I ain't never seen. Boy, I'm telling you, God's getting ready to do some things in your life, not because they hadn't been done, but because you're going to open up your heart to receive them through faith. I'm ready, CJ. I'm ready, Jim Smith. I know, I know that's a lady, but I'm ready. I see her name. So I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready, Chandra. I'm ready. I ain't singing, but I'm ready. <laughs> that's what you're not going to get me to do on camera. I'm ready, Jamie. I'm ready, Clarissa. Come on. I'm ready. Anybody else out there ready? Leslie, I'm ready. I'm ready. Listen, if we was in church, I'd make you find 50 people and high five them. <laughs> Not five, 50 people and high five them and tell them I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm gone. I love y'all. Y'all have a great night. Y'all be blessed. Be stared up. I wouldn't miss Sunday. That's all I'm going to say. I, I wouldn't miss Sunday. And if you haven't heard last Wednesday, I get caught up. I, I, if you, and if you if you if you listening to this for the first time and you catching this on replay and you didn't hear Pastor Rap, go back. Listen, when you show up on Sunday, it's two things you need to have done. You need to have listened to last Wednesday and you need to listen to tonight. Listen, I don't know what's gonna happen on we, on Sunday, but I can tell you this, it's gonna be good. It's going to be real good. All right. I love y'all. Y'all go to bed, get some rest. God bless. I'm out for real. Bye-bye.